Well, good morning. Welcome to Berlin Christian Church, where our mission is to make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. My name is Michael Hinnon, and I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. And as I was preparing for this sermon uh, this week, I started thinking, what are some of the biggest priorities that we have in our lives? And so I made a list of three. Uh, If you made your list of three, you would probably have a different list. But here are the top three priorities that I thought most of us have. Number one, our dreams. Number two, uh, our bodies, taking care of our bodies. And number three, our loved ones. And so I was just wondering, what, what would you give up to accomplish or take care of these priorities? What would you be willing to give up to accomplish your dreams? I, I, if I'm going to be honest, I like listening to motivational speakers because like, after listening to them, I just feel like I can run through a brick wall. And so uh, what motivational speakers will tell you, if you want to accomplish your dreams, you're going to have to give everything up. If you want to accomplish your dreams, you're going to, want it. You're going to have to want it bad. In fact, one of my favorite uh, motivational speakers, he, he says, if you want to succeed, you're going to have to want it as bad as you want to breathe. And you're going to want it even more. If you want to accomplish your dreams, it's going to cost you something to get there. What would you be willing to give up to take care of your bodies? I mean, what would you be willing to give up to look good and to feel good? I mean, if you ask someone like a Jocko Willink or... Or like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they'd pretty much tell you, you're going to have to give up most things. You're going to have to start getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're going to have to start drinking raw eggs for breakfast in the morning and chase that down with a meal of, oat, uh, a meal of oatmeal. You're going to have to go outside, work out for a couple hours. Then you're going to have to eat like six more healthy meals, cut out all the junk food, pretty much never sleep, and just do it over and over again. What would you be willing to give up to... Take care of your body. Probably not that extreme. But if you want to take care of your body, you're going to have to give something up. What would you be willing to give up to take care of your loved ones? It wasn't too long ago that my mom and and my aunt were willing to literally give one of their kidneys to my other aunt so that she would be able to live longer. And I think for most of us in here, in this room, we would say to take care of our loved ones, we'd pretty much give them whatever they need. So to take care of our loved ones is going to cost us something, but what would you be willing to give up to follow Jesus? What would you be willing to give up to follow Jesus? Because the text that we're going to look at today in our Bibles, it confronts us with that question, following Jesus costs. And not only is it going to cost us something, in fact, it's going to cost us everything. And so will you and will I, will we be willing to follow Jesus to give everything up to follow him? We're going to answer that question today. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to start, and we're going to start in verse 51. We have been going through this journey, this journey with Jesus through the gospel of Luke, and we've been talking about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Our mission here is to make more and better followers of Jesus, and what does it look like to be a better follower of Jesus? Well, a better follower hears Jesus. A better follower walks with Jesus. A better follower prays. And today we're going to talk about how a follower of Jesus follows Jesus. I know I'm breaking new ground here. But a follower of Jesus follows Jesus. And while it can be easy to say, yeah, we know that, but it's a lot harder to do to truly follow Jesus. So let's go ahead and look at verse 51. It says this, 
As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to circle that verse because this is the turning point in the Gospel of Luke. From here on out, Jesus has his face set towards Jerusalem. And it says that he will be taken up to heaven. What that means is that Jesus will be ascended into heaven. He will uh, go to the right hand of the Father and reign as king. But before he does that, Jesus has to go to Jerusalem to die. Jesus tells us what his mission is in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And how does he seek and save the lost? Well, to do that, to accomplish that, Jesus has to die. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus goes to the cross. And on their way to Jerusalem, since they're on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus, he, he ends up sending some of his followers to a town in Samaria. What you need to know about the Samaritans and the Jews is that they didn't get along very well. Uh, they thought they worshipped the same God, but really they did it way differently. And so there was a bunch of tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. You probably know that word Samaritan from the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter uh, 10. But here's what it says happens in verse 52 and following. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him. Why? Because he was heading for Jerusalem. And so somehow these Samaritans, they know where Jesus is headed. Jesus is headed to the cross. And so they want no part of Jesus. And it says that they did not receive him. And this frustrates some of the followers of Jesus. Because the followers of Jesus, they, they know that Jesus is their master. He's their Lord. He's their teacher. And so he wants, they want Jesus to be welcome. But, but he's not. Because he's on his way to Jerusalem. And so here's what happens with James and John. They're pretty fired up about this. Uh, says this in verse 54. When the disciples, James and John, saw this. Sometimes they're called the sons of thunder. You'll see why. They asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> well, I, lo I love the fierceness here. I love the intensity of James and John. I mean... They love Jesus, and so they're so fired up here, they want to call fire down from heaven. And yet, they, they still misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus. At this point in the Gospel of Luke, they have been following Jesus for almost three years now. And still, they misunderstand the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus does not lead to violence or vengeance. The way of Jesus leads to forgiveness and peace and to a cross. And so they, they still, after all these years, misunderstand Jesus. And so in verse 55, it tells us that Jesus turned and he rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. And so in these first five to six verses, verse 51 through 56, we see that, that the disciples, they still misunderstand the way of Jesus. And so in verse 57 and following, it's like Jesus is going to say, okay, come on guys, like I'll actually show you what it looks like to follow me. And it's going to cost you something. In fact, it's going to cost you everything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through this passage and we're going to count the costs together on whether or not we truly want to follow Jesus. I'll read the whole passage and then we'll ask three questions. Verse 57 as they were walking along the road, a man, we'll just call him man number one, man number one said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, man number two, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, man number three, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I read these verses last week with our middle school Sunday school class, and they were all shocked because of how shocking Jesus is in these verses. You, just, you read these verses and you just think to yourself, Jesus, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Because these are some pretty harsh things that you are saying, Jesus. But what he wants us to know is that following him is urgent. Following him is radical. Following him is painful. Following him costs. And what I love about this passage so, ma- so much is that if you read through each of these three dudes, we're never told what they do. We're not told what man one, man two, or man number three does. We can infer that they probably didn't follow Jesus, but I think Luke is a story master teller. A master storyteller. Let's, let's try that again. Luke is a master storyteller, unlike me, as you just heard, and, and he doesn't tell us what these people do because he is inviting us into the story. He wants us to see ourselves as that man or that woman. And so he's inviting us to ask these three questions. Here's question number one. Will I follow Jesus if it costs me my comfort? Will I follow Jesus if it costs me my comfort? Look back at verse 57 with me. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, this man, he has good hopes. He has good aspirations. He's telling Jesus, it doesn't matter where you go. I will follow you. But he doesn't know where he's headed because he's headed to a cross. And on the way to the cross, we lose all of our comforts. And so Jesus says to him, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's almost like Jesus is saying, yeah, you can come follow me, but there's not going to be any Tempur-Pedic or sleep number mattresses on the way. There's not going to be any pantries that are full of food. No, if you want to follow me, you are going to lose all of your comforts. In fact, in the very next chapter, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers on this mission. And he says, yeah, don't take anything because the Lord is going to provide for you. If we want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost us our comforts. This text hits me a lot harder than it did three to four years ago. Three to four years ago, uh, Janelle, my wife, and I, we didn't own a house. And so the idea of just going wherever God is calling us to go, that's not that hard of a thing. I mean, we can, we can root, pick up roots and go wherever you're calling us to go, but now we have a house. It's not quite as easy. I mean, the bank owns it, but, you know, give us 10 years or so. Three to four years ago, I was coming right out of Bible college, and I had this fire deep down within my bones, this fire to preach the gospel to anybody who would hear it. I wanted to tell them all about Jesus, but if I'm honest, the older I get, the more comfortable I become. And the greater the temptation to trade the cross for comfort. Thankfully, I know I'm not the only one, 
Because in the, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, we hear about an example of someone who struggled with the same thing. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Luke chapter 18. We're gonna, uh, the story starts in verse 18, but we'll pick it up in verse 22. But what happens in Luke chapter 18 is there's this rich young man, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus starts to quote some of the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder, don't lie, honor your mother and your father. And this, this young dude, he gets excited. He says, all these things I have done since I was a young boy, eternal life is just around the corner for me. And then Jesus says this in verse 22. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will find treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Yeah, maybe you have followed all these Ten Commandments, but there's one thing you lack. You need to sell everything you have and then take that money and don't invest it. Just give it to the poor. And then, then you will come and follow me. Following Jesus costs. It costs us our comforts. And as we, we listen to this story, it's very easy for us as Americans, I think, to think about our own money. Because here in America, the wealthiest nation in history, we have, um, we've allowed money to become one of our greatest security blankets and comforts. And if we want to truly follow Jesus, we have to lay all that money at the foot of the cross. And Jesus is going to call us to do some uncomfortable things. It's not comfortable giving 10% to your local church. It's not comfortable generously blessing someone's socks off. It's not comfortable using our money, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. But really, it's not just money that is a comfort for us. Our comforts are anything that hinders us on our path to the cross. Anything that hinders our path to the cross. And so, following Jesus isn't going to be comfortable. It's not comfortable telling people about Jesus sometimes. It's not comfortable confronting our own sinfulness and allowing Jesus to heal us. It's not comfortable to release bitterness that we've had towards someone who hurt us for years. Following Jesus costs. So will I, will you, give up our comforts so that we can follow Jesus? That's question number one. Question number two, will I follow Jesus if it costs me my family? Will I follow Jesus if it costs me my family? Look at verse 59. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Sounds like a reasonable request, especially in the Jewish world. You were to honor your father and mother above everything else, and you needed to bury your father. That's, that's what you have to do. And yet Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ouch. I mean, what is going on here? These are some harsh words from Jesus. Some people will say, well, the man's dad hasn't died yet. And so, so he's just procrastinating until after his dad dies. And then he goes. Maybe that's, 
the case. I don't think you can really prove that. Other people will say, actually, his dad has just died, and there's going to be a year in between his death from when they put his bones in a special ossuary box, and then after that, I'll come follow you, Jesus. I think that's a little more likely, but I still think that's missing the point, and you can't prove it. I think what Jesus is saying here is meant to shock us. I think what Jesus is saying here is meant to get our attention, to get us out of our status quo, because Jesus actually says some more harsh things later on in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, If anyone, this is Jesus talking, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, you know, in in the Greek that word means hate, Breaking new ground today, I told you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus wants to shock us. So does he really want us to hate our parents? No. Jesus knows the, the Ten Commandments. He, he's been immersed in them his entire life. He knows Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, which talks all about honoring your mother and your father. Jesus knows Exodus chapter 21 verse 17 and Leviticus chapter 20 verse 9, which talks about if a son or a daughter, if they curse their mom or dad, then they shall surely be put to death. And I just want you to know here at Berlin Christian Church, we teach that to your kids. So send your kids... The God Squad on Wednesday night, send your teens to youth group every other Sunday night. We will tell them that if they don't honor their mother and father, they will surely die. So just want to put that out there, a little promo. But in all seriousness, what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to get us to prioritize him more than anything else in the world. He wants us to prioritize him more than the people that we love most for me. Jesus is telling me that I need to love him more than my wife Janelle. She's my best friend. She's the one I love talking to. She's the one I love spending all my time with. But Jesus is saying my love for her should pale in comparison to my love for him. Jesus should be my number one and she should be my number two. Will you follow Jesus if it means that you love Jesus more than the people that matter to you most? About six years ago, I was still attending Ozark Christian College, which is in Joplin, Missouri. And on Tuesday mornings, we have a chapel service. It's just kind of like a church service. We sing songs, we we pray, we have a a preacher. And on that day, it was Kevin Greer. Kevin Greer was the youth specialties guy there at Ozark Christian College. And he was talking about going with God on mission. Going with him on mission, which sounds a lot like our journeying with Jesus. And as he was talking about that, as he got towards the end of his sermon, he started to talk about his three sons. He has three sons. One of them, his name is Jay. Jay is in Osaka, Japan, planting churches and preaching the gospel. Then he has a youngest son. His name is Ethan. Ethan is in Kobe, Japan, planting churches, preaching the gospel. And then they have a middle son. His name is Levi. He's in Kentucky. He's a community outreach pastor there. And he was talking about his sons and about how difficult it was for him as a father to have his sons all across the world. Because that means that every Christmas, every Easter, they didn't get to spend time together as a family. It meant that he didn't get to go to his granddaughter's recital or his grandson's soccer game. And he was just being honest. It it hurts him 
But then he, he told about how he and his wife, Debbie, over and over and over again, as their kids were growing up, told them to listen to the voice of God more than any other voice. And here's what they told them over and over again. I thought it was so good, I wrote it down. He said this to them, you belong to God. You don't belong to your mom and dad. You belong to God. Listen to his voice. Go where he tells you to go. Do what he's telling you to do. Say the words he's telling you to say. Don't come home because it's easier here. I think Kevin and Debbie understood what Jesus is trying to tell us here. That we are to love him. We are to prioritize him more than anyone or anything else in the world. So will I follow Jesus if it costs me my family? What's that actually look like? Well, for some of you, it might just mean like, hey, you actually need to go be that missionary that goes all over uh, the world. Maybe you need to go to Japan, start learning Japanese, and go plant churches in Japan. I hope that's true. For others of you, maybe that means that you just encourage your kids to follow God's calling on their life, even if it means that they're away from you now. And then for others of us, maybe it just means telling our kids no to some certain activities so that we can actually slow down and experience the Sabbath rest that God wants for us and prioritize what matters most. Will I follow Jesus if it costs me my family? Question number three, will I follow Jesus if it costs me my plans? Will I follow Jesus if it costs me my plans. Verse 61, still another said, this is man number three, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Seems like a pretty reasonable request. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. There's an urgency here for Jesus. He knows that his time is short. And so if you want to follow him, you are going to have to go to the cross with me. We have no time. Let's let's go. And so it's almost like it's almost like Jesus has this plans for this man, but he just keeps looking back at his old plans. It's like Jesus is like, I have new plans for you. Plans for the kingdom. Plans for a new purpose. Plans to mold you and shape you into the man of God that I'm calling you to be. But the man's not sure if he wants to go. And so he looks back. You can't really move forward very well when you're constantly looking back. You ever tried that before? You ever been mowing? You're mowing. You hear something behind you, you turn around. You got an S in your yard. You blame it on somebody else. You ever been driving and you're, you're going forward, you hear your kids yelling in the back? And so you do what any good parent does. You turn around and yell at them. And as you yell, you swerve all over the road and almost kill everybody. You can't, really, you can't really move forward very well when you're looking backwards constantly. And you can't really follow Jesus very well if we're constantly looking back at our own plans. Because Jesus has plans for us, but we're constantly turning back to look at our own plans. If I'm honest, I'm a planner here. I love to plan things out. Every morning, I get my little piece of paper, and I, I do what's called time blocking, Cal Newport, he writes deep work, digital minimalism, I love this stuff, so I'm just, I plan out my day for the hour to hour, and it almost always gets messed up, I'm a planner, some of you are planners too, not just your day, but your future, 
Plans for where you're going to go to college. Plans for what your career is going to be. Plans for where you're going to live next. Plans for when you're going to retire. And it's almost like Jesus is saying to us, quit making plans for the future without me and start living in the present with me. Quit making plans for the future without me and start living in the present with me. I love these verses in the message translation. This is a paraphrase, but here's what it says, verse 61 and 62 in the paraphrase. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. But first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. I can hear a lot of us saying this. I've got to clean my house first. Oh, you're leaving. What? It doesn't matter. Jesus said, no procrastination. No backwards looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize the day. Following Jesus costs, it's going to cost you everything. But our invitation this morning is to seize the day. And this is going to look different for all of us in here, seizing the day of following after Jesus. For some of us in here, this just means you've been, you've been procrastinating following Jesus for a long time. You felt the Holy Spirit working in your heart, and yet you just keep kind of putting it off. Maybe you're just starting to get older, and you're like, eh, I don't want to get in that baptistry. The, the steps are a little slippery, and, you know, I could fall or something like that. You're never too old to proclaim Jesus as your king. Seize the day. Follow him wherever that means for you. For others of you, you have somebody on your heart. God has been working on your heart to just bless them, to give them a large amount of money. And you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, that's a lot of money. I do not want to give that away. And yet Jesus is saying to you, seize the day. Bless their socks off. For others of you, Jesus might be telling you, hey, it's time for forgiveness. It's time to release that bitterness that you've been holding on for so long and seizing the day for you means forgiving that person and then forgiving yourself. Seize the day. Following Jesus costs. But it's worth it. I, uh, I texted one of our uh, deacons here, Rick Carr, he was up here earlier, and I asked him, hey, will you meditate on these verses and just send me what you think these verses are all about. I, I try and do this when I'm preaching, send it to different people, have them read it. And after a day, Rick sent me this response. It was so beautiful. I wanted to share part of it with you. This is not all of it, but here's what he said. I think they summarize these verses so well. He said, Christ's work needs focus. Jesus wants us to love family, but also each other, including those in need of salvation in his name. While the world waits for us to finish loving our family before our fellow man, how many opportunities to follow Jesus did we miss? Will you seize the day and follow Jesus today? Following Jesus costs, but always on the other side of the cross is resurrection. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for this passage that confronts us in so many ways. And so I just pray, Lord, you would help us to, to listen to your Holy Spirit and to seize the day. You are so worthy, Jesus. Help us to worship and glorify you in every decision we make. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray.